0: We're going to open up the Bible together. We're going to uh, look at a couple of verses. And we have been looking at words that Jesus has said and uh, encounters that he's found himself in in the Bible. And uh, we're going to be unpacking and and looking at how that challenges us today. And it's been fun looking at Jesus' words. I believe uh, this week as I prepared that what has blessed me will hopefully bless you as we uh, read together. So just to give you a little bit of context before we read the verses together, we're finding ourselves in the passage just now, uh, post-resurrection. So Jesus has been on earth, he has died on the cross, and he has risen again. And uh, we have this first encounter moment happening, the first dialogue moment after Jesus uh, has risen from the dead. So Julia is going to be reading today's passage, and if you want to read along with her, it's in John chapter 20, verse 11 to 18. So over to you, Julia.
1: It's great to be with you all. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with this news. I have seen the Lord, she said, and she told them that he had said these things to her.
0: Thank you so much, Julia, for reading those verses for us. Uh, Now, as I shared last week, we we have taken up gardening. We've taken up gardening and it's been with varying results, if I'm I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, I managed to get the grass cut this week, which was a, a positive. But lucky for you guys, I've taken some pictures of our gardening escapades. Or it might not be. It might not be. So have we look at these images. A few pictures of gardening escapades. So there's the first one that will come up on the screen just now. And uh, that was before my haircut. And it was the easiest way to get the hedge done. It was the easiest way. So please don't be emailing me about health and safety guidelines for that method of hedge cutting. Uh, Also, secondly, our next pic, that's just a a little picture of the two of us. It was an especially long day then. Uh, We were weathered and aged a little bit then. And then finally, most of you will know that Mary is a nurse. And uh, this is just outside our garage. And it's her caring nature. It's her caring nature, even for the plants that are planted, uh, to make sure that they thrive. Little bit of fun there. Uh, You know us. You know us, guys. But we are enjoying our newest hobby of gardening. And this week's passage is one of the most remarkable encounter moments. A garden encounter moment near the empty tomb where Jesus rose again. A man called C.H. Dodd, who is a, a theologian in the 1900s. He was a theologian in the 1900s. says this, there is something indefinably first-hand about it all. There is nothing quite like it in the Gospels. Is there anything quite like it in all of ancient literature? So in this special encounter moment, it brings us into a place of remembering who Jesus is. And I want to share three points this morning. Firstly, I want to remind us, or maybe tell you for the first time this morning, that he is fully present. He is fully present. It says in verse 15 of the passage that Julia read, Who is it you're looking for? Jesus asks, asks Mary. He was there. He was there. Mary in this instance totally missed that. She totally missed it. We have Mary mourning the death of Jesus. Mary grieving an empty tomb. She is searching for a corpse instead of looking for the risen Saviour. She has a chat with some angels in the tomb. And each side, they were sitting at each side from where Jesus was. It's quite striking, isn't it? That picture of the angels at each side of Jesus' clothes, Jesus' where he was lying. We have these two angels at each side. Just like we had two sinners at each side of him at his death, we have two angels dressed in white after his resurrection. He isn't there. He isn't there. She turns round. And Jesus is standing there, but she didn't realize it was him didn't realize it was him. Have you ever done that? Uh, Joshua had a moment pre-lockdown in Tesco a couple of months back where bless him, he was wandering around, and often he gets drawn in by the the chocolate and the treats and all the things that aren't very good, as do I. But he ran off to have a look at something, and I went round the next aisle, and I seen him at the the, the beginning of the aisle. And he grabbed hold of somebody else's basket and he pulled on it like he would if it was my basket. He looked up and it was this man that wasn't me. And you should have just seen him. He just was terrified. He screamed and he ended up running towards me in the supermarket. He got the fright of his life. He was shell-shocked. And further on in this passage, we have a line in verse 15. It says, thinking he was the gardener. So Mary thought this man standing... In this garden, next to empty to the tomb, was the gardener. In all the names and pictures that we portray Jesus, shepherd, bread of life, light of the world, all the uh, the traits, all the names that he declares over himself, light of the world, a lion and a lamb. She mistakes him as a gardener. I wonder, was she so bereft that she couldn't recognize him? Well, she's so embroiled in the turmoil on a human level that she forgot to carry faith that maybe he rose again. She's asking, who took him? Who took him? Who took his body? Whereas all she had to do was to look up and to see him. I wonder if we do that right now in lockdown. We become so sucked into the world and its pressures and all the voices... That we mourn and we weep and we forget. Jesus is standing with us. He's fully present in these moments. In our weeks, in our days, in our hours. Who is it we're looking for? Jesus is asking because he is standing right with us. What else do we need if we know Jesus? And the language in this passage suggests... That she never even turned to reply to Jesus, this man. She had her back turned because in verse 16 we read, she turned towards him. I wonder if we've got our backs turned to the very person who's standing alongside us in this season. Maybe this is a morning where we look to him, where we cry to him, where we pray to him, where we be real to him, where we worship him, where we speak to him, where we're angry with him. And in all of that that we know that he is with you and he is fully present. So firstly, he's fully present. Secondly, he is lovingly personal. I love a written note. Uh, Back in my heyday. Back in my heyday? Back in my yeah, let's say back in my heyday. Uh, It might be my heyday just now, my pre heyday, I don't know, I'm being silly. Back in the day I loved writing love letters. And uh, there was nothing more special in my book when you receive a handwritten letter, even now. But uh, back in my courting days, I would write love letters and get really excited in terms of just writing how I felt in that moment. You know, in a world of emails and handwriting has lost its appeal. It's lost uh, its attraction in a lot of ways. And... uh, I feel that, I don't know about you, I feel that when I write these days. It feels a bit clumsy and like, oh, I haven't done this in a while. I haven't done this in a while. It's like I'm 10 again. But there's something so personal about it. The hand being, that very hand being pressed against the paper. The letter being crafted, the paper being folded and posted and written on the envelope. It's a connection moment that carries a certain kind of magic. I wonder if there's one action that you take from this morning... Why don't you, if there's somebody that you want to encourage or somebody you want to connect with that you maybe haven't spoken to in a while, why don't you write a letter this week? Why don't you encourage them? In this passage, we see a lovely moment when Mary, with her back turned, she's ready to search for the corpse. Now, bear in mind that Jesus had already spoken. He'd already spoken. He'd asked the question, who is it you're looking for? But it's the mention of verse 16. It shakes her from her innermost being. And it moves me every time I read this passage. Mary. Mary. One word. That was all it took. Her name. That remade her world and transformed her life. And it was her name. Of all the words, it was her name. Isn't that just the most loving, personal moment from Jesus? Jesus. He called her by name and she recognised him. Out of the darkness into the light, from sorrow into joy, from a, a future of hopelessness to a present hope and a future hope, he is risen. The good shepherd calling his sheep by name. He knows you and he knows me this morning. He knows every inner workings of our minds and our bodies. He knows us by name this morning. He is not a distant God but he is an interested, personal and good God in this season who knows exactly what is happening in our lives. He knows everything. He knows absolutely everything. Maybe he is calling you this morning. You know his voice but your feet aren't moving or your back isn't turning back round to him. He's calling you by name but maybe you're being stubborn or proud or too embroiled in what people think come and trust me turn around he's wanting to say i am here with you i am i love you and i want the best for you i am here what love you know as a keen gardener Almost knows all or knows all of his plants and bushes, his garden personally, conditioning, how to maintain it, how to protect it, when they need fed, when the the garden needs pruned, when stuff needs uprooted. So does Jesus with us. He knows what we need. And for others, where we see that need, are we following up on it? That little act of encouragement. That little uh, practical help that somebody needs in their week. That uh, question that somebody asks, and we know that we are the solution. Little moments of hope. Only took one word. He is lovingly personal. He is lovingly personal. And then just finally, he is abnormally patient. Or, thirdly, should I say, abnormally patient takes me back to that a uh, song by Take That Have A Little Patience. That's some of my singing there. I'll we'll heavily edit that before it goes out so it sounds half decent. But we're practicing that during lockdown just now, aren't we? I can't wait to get to a beach. I can't wait to get to a beach. I can't wait to see my family in person and give them a hug. I can't wait to be in the same room as all our church family together. But we need a little patience. A survey, a, a, a group of people had looked into patience, and a survey had shown that an average person grows frustrated after waiting 16 seconds for a web page to load, 25 seconds for a traffic signal to change. It's not me. Respondents reported losing their temper after just 20 seconds of waiting for ink to dry on a greeting card. Additionally, it only takes 22 seconds for people to start cursing their computers or TVs if a show or movie doesn't immediately start streaming correctly. Surveyed Brits also reported losing their cool after just 18 seconds of searching for a pen. Wow. Wow. Uh, There's a brilliant book that I have read called... uh, the Ruthless in the Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And he labours this point of patience and never being, Jesus never being in a hurry. And his rhythms of rest and solitude and just being. And I love that about Jesus as I read uh, the Bible, as I read the Gospels, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I love that he has moments where he just takes off to a mountainside all by himself. I love the countless encounters when he keeps cool, when he's being attacked. And he just waits. The patience that he shows people, the patience that he shows his disciples, such a, a ramshackle group of people, drawn from all sorts of different backgrounds and with all sorts of different stuff going on in their life, who a lot of the time just didn't get it. He was okay waiting. He was patient with them. He had three decades till he preached his first sermon. After one day, he went 40 days into the wilderness. You know, if you are waiting just now, as we all are as a nation, but if there's particular hopes and dreams that you are waiting to see come to pass, if there are particular things in your life that you are waiting to see happen, you are in good company to hear about your job, to start a family, to find a partner, to hug a loved one. Patience is Jesus' gig. Waiting is his, his forty. It's really important and I believe Jesus is wanting to teach into that and show us the true, uh, how to model that really well. Unhurried, walking with his father. How would this week look if we were putting on patience? If we were making unhurried choices? if we had a lifestyle of learning to accept the way and to trust the Father. And for Jesus, John Mark Comer says, leadership isn't about coercion and control. It's about example and invitation. He's showing us the example and he's inviting us to live like him. Just to give you a little uh, a little deal of the week, that book is 99p on the Kindle store. Uh, we'll maybe put a link in the chat to that as well so you can click onto that right away. But where do we practice patience this week? As a keen gardener knows the wait can be excruciating, but things are happening in that fertile soil. Picture it. As a keen gardener knows there's working in the waiting, those first green shoots pop through, so does Jesus. And we trust him where we can't see. We trust him when we can't feel. We trust that things are growing in the unseen when it's barren in the seen. We trust him. He is lovingly patient with us. Relentlessly patient. He's abnormally patient was actually the point, but all those other things as well. And then finally, he is relentlessly practical. I'm a practical person. I love doing things. Sometimes uh, as my job role, uh, as it unfolds in the week, There won't be much to show for the end of the day as such. A lot of conversations are maybe thinking and dreaming. And uh, sometimes I just feel the urge I have to unscrew a light bulb and screw it back in to show, okay, I've done that, I've sorted that. Or change a battery in one of the kids' toys. Sometimes there might not be that tangible thing, so there's a longing to find something. But as I'm reaching the end of each day, I'm asking, have I practised what I preach? How have I been practical with what I believe in? How have I loved and encouraged and brought life today? Jesus was the master of it, ushering in the kingdom of God through healings, through words, through parables, stories. He wasn't afraid to get stuck into the difficult environments. He wasn't afraid to get in amongst the difficult people. At difficult points of the week, healings on the Sabbath, helping a wedding continue, feeding thousands, picking up dirt, making some mud, throwing it in someone's eyes and healing them. He was literally getting his hands dirty. And we are called to be like Jesus, to be relentlessly practical. As a keen gardener gets his hands dirty and transforms messy, forgotten and no good spaces He brings order and pulls out weeds and plants seeds. He brings colour and vibrancy and purpose to a space that has been neglected too long. Does this sound familiar? As a gardener and Jesus, as as cracks through that dry soil, that dry soil, he brings life. As he digs deep to unearth the unhealthy deep roots. As he plants a little bit of hope into the ground that will be loved into life. That will be cared for and admired and draw people to say, wow, what a difference. I remembered what that was like before. So does Jesus with us. He takes the sin and the shame, the forgotten pieces, the forgotten depths of us that we have held on to too long. And he lovingly and patiently unearths them and brings them to freedom and space. He plants green. He plants life and colour and purpose. A life growing, maturing, and blooming. A life once full of mess is new again. And he calls us to get our hands dirty too. To get that dirt under the nails kind of hands dirty. Not to be folk that just get tidied up and to look after ourselves, but to be a practice and practical, a practical kind of church the people that love the forgotten, the dry soil in our city, the city, the soil that has little or no hope, the soil that's quiet and, un- and ignored, the soil that includes the least, the last and the lost of the highlands. No space is too messy for Jesus and we are called to go into those spaces. So to draw things to a close, Jesus really is a gardener. I'd like to suggest that when he was, when Mary mistook Jesus, mistook, mistake, mistaken, Jesus as a gardener. Actually, he's more of a gardener than we we first thought. And I want to ask, who is it you're looking for this morning? What is it you're looking for? Let's let Jesus in. Let him do what he can only do in this season. Take this season as a time to be real with him to open up to him and to let him do the rest he is present right now he is patient right now he is practical right now he wants to he wants to move he wants to bring change let's remember that about him and we are called then to be the same in our cities